Welcome to Pharmacy View, Technology and Pharmacy Business Podcast Series, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key industry people within the Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In each podcast, we look to discuss aspects of pharmacy operation and how technology is improving or interacting with each guest's current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Scott Carpenter, and today's guest is sponsored by Shopfront Solutions, leading the way in digital marketing and communications providing a cloud-based platform for pharmacies to manage all of their digital messaging and print-based collateral. For more information on the Shopfront Solutions digital platform, simply go to the website at shopfrontsolutions.com.au. I'm talking today with Zamil Solanke, award-winning pharmacist, serial entrepreneur and industry-leading business strategist. Welcome, Zamil. Hi, Scott. Great to be here, man. Pleasure. So if memory serves me correctly, we first met in, I think, around about 2007, 2008, where at the time you were a pharmacist owner-operator at the Terry White Chemart in Mount Gravatt, Brisbane in Queensland. And we've continued to cross paths, I guess, for the last or for the next 14 years, right up until a few weeks ago when we saw each other at APP. Um, on the Gold Coast. Now, while I've watched your journey, and I've got some interesting questions today, particularly around some of the things that you're currently doing, and, and I guess I've got a bit of an idea of what you've been up to. For anyone listening today that doesn't know you, who is Zamil Solanke? Yeah, so my journey started off in the womb, actually. So my, who you know as well, my mother, Anita, yeah. is a pharmacist. And so my journey started when, you know, when I came into this world in the pharmacy space, I first started working in pharmacy when I was 10 years old, dusting shelves. And from 14 years old, I've been dispensing, dispensing fluently and teaching fourth years how to dispense. In third year pharmacy, when we met, we built our first pharmacy in Mancravat in Brisbane. And in 2011, I entered ownership. I exited ownership in pharmacy in 2019 after growing our business by three by $4 million and selling it for three times the industry average multiple. And yep. now I do entrepreneur coaching and business strategy with both small businesses and large, well, to large corporates as well. So that's my journey. That's excellent. And is that um, nationally or, or predominantly Eastern Seaboard? Like how far do you go? Yeah, no, definitely. You know, I guess COVID has allowed us to cross borders very easily now. So yeah, I work across the across the country. So yeah, yeah. And look, I guess the 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 basis of today's discussions around you know, technology and pharmacy. So I would imagine through that journey you've uh, you've been involved with. You've, you've seen some come, some 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 go, and we'll talk about some specifics in a minute. But what's your journey with technology been like? So I, I, th- I think I've always had a passion for technology. Actually, something that you might not know, Scott, is I did actually my first year of uni as in, in a Bachelor of IT to okay. then transition to pharmacy. So yeah, I've always had a passion for finding better ways, you know, and using technology to enable us to improve efficiencies in not only our workflows, but all of the processes that we do in our business to create better patient experiences, but also better experiences for our teams as well. So always had a great passion with From that perspective. technology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so if we talk specifically, I guess, the first part of your journey through pharmacy, what, mm. what are some of the predominant uh, dispensary point of sale systems that you've used to date? Yeah. So uh, Minfos was probably the hands down, the predominant one that I've used. Definitely now, obviously, there's, you know, there's newer market, newer players that have come out in the market in the recent years being 
Zed Dispense and things like that. And so I'm familiar with a variety of platforms. All have their pros and cons, and I guess all have their own uh, nuances as well. But Minfos is probably what I've been most experienced with, but I've actually developed a lot of rapport now with Fred and Zed, and also familiar with Dispenseworks and Posworks as well. So... So the, the full yeah. range there, um, which is great. So, Yeah, that's it. I noticed from your um, background and time, you spent some time with BD Rower. Tell us about that. Yeah, so BD, my, my I guess, work with BD, and they sort of popped up onto my radar when we underwent a significant refit in 2015 in our pharmacy. We used that as an opportunity to actually look at our core demographic, and we spent 18 months researching developing Australian-first workflow solutions within our pharmacy. And BD was, I guess, a component of that workflow piece. We were one of 13 pharmacies within a three-kilometer radius. So for us, competition was not only fierce, but it was actually, yeah, it was was quite rife. We had two big box discounters within 500 meters of us. And we saw that as not a problem, but an opportunity to offer something different to the market. And that's where my journey started with BD is looking at their automation solutions to allow us to deliver a unique experience to our patients. And, you know, if you don't know about BD and I guess, you know, their their robotic solutions right now, I'd be very surprised. But essentially, we were able to leverage outside industry influences. So we looked at airports, post offices, banks, and their workflows, and we used automation to enable us to deliver a unique experience to our patients. So from there as well. Yeah, Yeah, look, certainly... One of the things that uh, I guess through my journey with the robots would be with both Willac and BD Rower. But if there was mm. one of the things with BD Rower that I thought was just that little bit you know, more cutting edge was the the random bucket at the end where you basically tipped all your product in, yeah. it scanned the products, it read the date codes as well, and then it didn't necessarily yeah. re- require someone to stand there putting boxes in, into the unit itself. It, it then put them in date code order and dispensed them in date code order. And I think that to me yeah. was a, a level of technology that was right on the mark. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and I totally agree with that. When, whenever making such a significant investment in your business, you, you know, always look at, I guess, as many players in the market as you could. And Scott, you just highlighted a lot of the features and benefits I took a real shining to, and that were just, yeah, that for us at the time. And I still believe that, you know, currently that there's still, you know, market leading in this in this area is the ability to efficiently manage stock in a dispensary. But also now in a retail sense, you know, we okay. were putting our S2s and S3s in the robot to instead of, you know, rotating stock on a shelf, we'd let yeah. the robot do that for us. Do, do it for you. So uh, again, I noticed from your history that you've, I guess, finished up working with them, but but you would still have an association with them, I dare say? Yeah, definitely. You know, actually, yeah, speaking to them quite regularly because at the end of the day, they're a platform that if, you know, if people are looking for an automation solution or to improve their workflows and efficiencies, automation is a big part of that. And that's, I guess, where they specialize in. And it's a big, it's a big piece now, you know, it's what type of model pharmacy are you looking to achieve? And we all talk about, you know, that we deliver great service and things like that. But at the end of the day, when you actually quantify what that service actually looks like, you know, a lot of the time, what we believe a good, it's good service, the customers don't actually agree with that. And it wasn't about reducing staff wages for us, you know, but utilizing automation wasn't about cutting costs and things like that. It was actually about improving efficiencies, but also redeploying team members to work more, more effectively on areas of the business that generate true value 
to the business and to our patients. And that's the mindset that we went into developing and designing the store was to how do we create a better experience for our customer? Yeah. And with that mindset, wasn't about cutting wages, cutting staff. It was about leveraging their time and their expertise to then develop more holistic solutions for the patient. For the patient. And, and again, that's the customer journey then, isn't it? It's not just about yeah. the customer wandering in with a script, having it dispensed and walking out. Again, it's actually reasons for them to be there outside of just that single transaction, which is, exactly which is great. It. That's exactly it. And I, I think it's important um, to note that, you know, as pharmacists, we take this mindset of, you know, always trying to find a better way to educate our patient or to provide them with a better solution. But we don't necessarily look at that from our business perspective, you know, and yeah. at the end of the day, we don't take the time to plan, to review, to strategize on our business and to really explore those better ways. So, you know, using technology is a great enabler, but it's not the answer, you know. So at the end of the day, when you look at technology, it's just one part of that solution. There is actually a holistic solution that needs to be explored and looking at it holistically, because a lot of people you know, implement software or systems or whatever and expect it to be a be-all. But there's, to me, there's a whole change management piece around that. And yeah. it's actually looking at, you know, what is the solution that you're trying to achieve or what is the opportunity or trend that you're trying to tap into through yeah. technology. And, and look, I think yeah. that's a really good point. The business that I do work for, which includes this podcast series, which is Arian Technologies, one of the things that I enjoy about working with them is that they almost walk away from some business because they have customers coming to them looking to, you know, for the right off-the-shelf platform. But what they're doing these days, and, and there's a classic case study where you know, they, they potentially saved a, a significant global business, you know, several million dollars, because the solution that they were looking at from an, an off-the-shelf platform versus something that could have actually been custom-made for this business was significantly different. So again, it's in some instances, the, the off-the-shelf platform is the right one, but I'm sure you've seen the same thing. You know, More often than not, even in the pharmacy world, is that the, the pharmacy customer will, will be asking that provider to actually do some customization to suit their business, which I know they, they, they're not fans of doing it because you end up with all these iterations of it. But at the end of the day, it's got to be about the customer journey and and either the platform is going to work for you and your team or it's not going to work for you and your team. Yep, 100% agree, yeah. Perspective. So look, we'll, we'll obviously include your contact details in the notes for this as well. But I guess if anyone was interested in some more or your aspect on, on BD Roa or, or uh, dispensary robotics, you'd be more than happy to have a chat with them, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%. You know, at the end of the day, I love talking anything pharmacy. So even if it's whatever, yeah, definitely. Best way to track me down is through my website, zamelsalanki.com. Otherwise, via all my socials, so LinkedIn, Facebook, even YouTube as well. So. Um I'm sure they'll find you. So you, I think that's a good segue. You mentioned then about the fact that as a pharmacist and pharmacists love to, you know, continually improve, self-improve. And, and one of the things that I've been watching with interest is your work with the Innovative Pharmacy Group and the Pharmacy Owners Congress. How, how did all that come about? Yeah, so the Innovative Pharmacy Group was formed through a collaboration. So I was blessed to be awarded the 2017 Terry White Kenmark Pharmacist of the Year. And I passed the baton on to another awesome pharmacist, Karen Brown, in 2018. And we formed a collaboration with Felicity Crimson, who's a partner at Pitch Partners, and yep. yeah, created the Innovative Pharmacy Group with the purpose to educate, collaborate, and grow pharmacists and pharmacy owners to help better their businesses, but using outside industry knowledge to help to do that. So not really focusing on the clinical areas because there's, you know, there's definitely mm -hmm. markets for that and obviously well-versed avenues that, you know, pharmacists and pharmacy owners can get that information from. 
but what we wanted to do was sort of look at that business side. So yeah, the Pharmacy Owners Congress was born out of that and we've done a few yep. different events in between. Yeah, it's been a challenge with the Pharmacy Owners Congress, unfortunately, with COVID and the border restrictions for that. Yeah, you know, it's great chatting, you know, through this sort of environment remotely and even working with clients remotely, uh, despite COVID. But uh, when, when we're trying to create the atmosphere of the Congress, which is people coming together, a little bit more challenging, but yeah, really awesome endeavor. And I'm stoked to be a part of it. From that perspective. So I guess that, that discussion there around technology meetings versus face-to-face meetings, one of the things I certainly noticed at APP is that there was this general sense of um, relief that you could talk to someone face-to-face, like even you and I sitting in just the garden courtyard area and having a chat. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that these um, technology-based meetings don't work, but but there is a significant mm. difference about meeting someone, um, you know, and if you're in a position to shake hands or, or pat someone on the back, you know, that, that I certainly got that sense at APP that were, people were there just for the social interaction as much as anything. Oh, 100%. I totally agree. To me, it's the energetic connection that you create mm. with someone. And you can't do that through a screen. Um, you can build definitely a lot of rapport and great trust and, you know, great interaction. But it's that energetic connection. At the end of the day, we're herd animals, you know? So yeah. we, we move in packs. We don't move through screens. So, and, and it's that energetic connection that we really feed off. And 100%, you know, more, that's, that's what I love about, you know, any sort of event is that, that sort of connection that you build. From that perspective, yeah. So, yeah. Um, what's uh, again? Just talking a little bit longer about the um, the pharmacy owners congress. So, what's coming up for, for that arena? Is there any areas? Of yeah. Discussion so, share? yeah. So, so uh, we've got plans for the Hunter Valley uh, at the moment. Having said that, though, we are looking at reviewing a few things with that, based on the recent announcements with New South Wales yeah. uh, and the challenges going on around there. And if for whatever reason that uh, that can't you know, can't can't be pulled off. We've definitely got some amazing things happening uh, and planned for 2022, which we're definitely working towards. So yeah. my my big thing is yeah, just stay tuned. So and um, that yeah, that's it. No problems. All right. So the other area that I wanted to chat with you today, I was really intrigued by the announcement. I think about two or three weeks ago that you'd been doing some work with a um, a business here in Australia, um, and that you'd been recently appointed as a director. So uh, talk to us about Strongroom AI. Very, yeah, very so pharmacist focused. That's it. That's it. So not a director, just being blessed to be on their advisory board. But Strongroom AI is a startup that started six years ago by budding 19-year-old at the time named Max Mido and his uh, co-founder Chris Jura in Melbourne. And what they've their purpose is to help reduce adverse drug events through artificial intelligent decision making sure. and they've created a platform called strongroom ai now strongroom started off as his first iteration as simply an electronic s8 controlled drug mm-hmm. register but has now evolved into um, managing yeah otp so opiate ther- treatment mm-hmm replacement therapies and stage supply therapies but they're the smarts about it is that they're actually using facial recognition to help recognize customers but okay. in future using the the biomarkers and things like that on the face but yeah they're, they're a very exciting company to be working with super innovative but looking at some big things in the health space in the future so we crossed paths yeah early 2020 when covid started kicking off yeah. yeah so look I, I won't question you about some of the things that are in the future because i'm sure there'll be some confidentiality around some of that yeah. but, but what's some of the advantages like if a pharmacist listening today wanted some more information or, or what can you tell us about what we've got available now yeah so strong room strong room definitely 
has the advantages of improving workflow through their facial recognition technology. So mm -hmm. instead of searching for patients manually, you literally have a webcam set up in your store and you're scanning their face and you're actually making more informed decisions about them as well and more accurate decisions about them because you know that you've identified the right person. The right person coming uh, in. That's exactly it. So right now though, uh, as the platform currently stands, they're, they're great for uh, DidiBook opioid mm -hmm. uh, replacement therapy and stage supply, and that's what they really own in yep. this space. But the feature, the new feature development, and yeah, as you mentioned, I'm probably not at liberty no, to say <laughs> to be the best person to say, but they are a rapidly growing company. And what I love about them is that they are seeking not only, they're not addressing today's problems, but rather tomorrow's opportunities. And that's the best thing I love about any platform that I work with or anything that I not necessarily endorse, but obviously have as part of a, maybe a preferred tech stack, if you'd like to call it that, is the ability to look forward at the trends and actually start start addressing those rather than, you know, too late and being reactive. So so, so watch watch this space. So if, if you're not already uh, aware of Strongroom AI, um, start following them or at least start following you and, uh, and, and, and get the updates as they come through. So yeah. Look, I, I know many pharmacists will have understood what you've said about the facial recognition, and certainly from my background managing a group of pharmacies around uh, Victoria and, and Australia over uh, many years, one of the challenges that I've certainly been aware of is when you've got casual pharmacists or local pharmacists in a pharmacy, and then if you're managing opioid th replacement therapy, was, was the right term, wasn't it? If you're, if you're relying on a, on a book or some kind of paperwork, you, you really, you know, you, you're at best, is this the right person or not? But I have seen the cameras yeah. in a couple of the pharmacies. So, so this really takes that whole concern out of that is that the person that's turned up for the treatment has to have the facial recognition to, to go to the next step, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's all about creating additional layers of security yeah. and validation and verification of the patient that you're chatting with. And, you know, at the end of the day, these um, this technology, facial recognition, is only just on the cusp. You know, we've seen massive growth in this sort of space and also the artificial intelligence space. You just look at, you know, what are the most heavily funded initiatives right now from a venture capital point of view and it's all relating to this technology so when we look at that trend this this is just going to explode and COVID has definitely accelerated the adoption yeah. of this yeah it's it's almost uh, if i if i put in some some layman terms the technology that you see on some of the uh, the movies these days with facial and uh, uh and access recognition is is really what you're talking about isn't it so Hundred percent, and you know, you even look at trends now of deep fakes, for example, and the technology mm -hmm. coming out in deep with deep fake technology. You know, it's it's quite it's quite scary. You know, the mm -hmm. ability to impersonate somebody, even as we move to a more digital world. You know, could have Scott Carpenter just imi uh, imitated and you know presenting in the US right now through, uh, and it's not um, even Scott. So yeah, I'm gonna say, look, I'm I'm sure many people will say that one's enough. But having said yeah. that, and and it's a good little segue. Like a lot of people ask me why I put the initials at the end of my name, and the reason I do that was that I was born in the early '60s at a time time where um, space exploration was just happening and there was an astronaut called Scott Carpenter. And so I wasn't going to be called Scott initially, but at the time I got called Scott. So if you actually search on LinkedIn, Scott Carpenter, or on search on, on any social media, Scott Carpenter, there are thousands of us. You wouldn't think that. And God, you know, God bid the world that, that there are that many of us, but uh, that's why some, some, I, I do those little extra letters for that exact reason. And I, and I did see quickly an article yesterday 
popped up on one of my news feeds that uh, there was an article about, um, there was a picture of a gentleman that effectively looked like um, Tom Cruise, but they were saying, this isn't Tom Cruise. And, exactly it. and why is that a problem? Because effectively, from a facial recognition point of view, he could have you know, been impersonating Tom Cruise. That's exactly it, you know, and as, as we move to a more digital world and even a telehealth world now as well, yeah. you look at the, you know, the risk of deep fakes, even from a telehealth perspective and treatment protocols and prescribing to somebody that you're literally seeing through a screen and you need to verify them through a screen. So yeah, technology is definitely playing a lot of catch up now and it's going to be really, really interesting over this next uh, decade or so as to where this moves to. Well, particularly again from a from a patient journey, from the medical practitioner to the pharmacy, and and at the end of the day, it's all about health and well being, isn't it? So, giving yes. the right person the right treatment and not having that you know tarnished in any way is, is probably paramount. So, a hundred percent, you know, and these are, these all come down to the four pillars of quality use of medicines, doesn't it? So, which is what we stand on. Yep. Yeah. So, Samil, there was one last thing I wanted to chat about because I noticed in your background that you've got a certificate in fitness. Now, I know that might be going back a few years now, but the reason I wanted to chat with you about this is that I thought you might be a good person. Again, bearing, you know, taking into account health and well-being of a patient yep. and I guess you know, how best to treat a person. Uh, when I was up at APP a couple of weeks ago, I noticed across the road there was a fitness studio and there was a significant difference with this fitness studio and that was that the people in the studio were actually connected up to a computer while they were doing. So, so what can you tell us about this technology? So I'm not exactly sure of the technology that you're specifically talking about, but I think if we look at wearables as a holistic sort of technology, yep. that is just blowing up at the moment. You know, at the end of the day, what is the one most useful driver for corporate companies is to get data, is to get mm -hmm. data. And at the end of the day, this is where we're seeing now this massive explosion of wearable technology because now we're tracking so many different metrics. And for a lot of companies now, you're, we're getting rewarded by actually giving them this data through discounts with grocery, healthy eating, fitness, gym memberships, etc. But in terms of, I guess, where, where health is, you know, and the technology with wearables is definitely the ability to take charge of our health and to make decisions. And we're seeing that trend even more so is that we don't want to be told what to do. We want to empower ourselves with the decisions. We want to look at the data and then yep. make decisions based off that data or have recommendations as to what we should do rather than, no, this is what you need to do. And the likes of fitness clubs and all of that now are using this data and using wearables to then create more bespoke plans but more and more tailoring to the actual goals of that customer and that client yep. to then yep. help them achieve their goals rather than a one-size-fits-all. We're now using wearable data. So if there's different elevations of heart rate, for example, and you're, in, you're on a bike, you're then monitoring your heart rate live and you're making adjustments on the fly rather than yeah. what was traditionally a group class of everyone doing the same weight or doing whatever. You're making personalized adjustments based yeah. on these different things. So it'd be yeah, very exciting. So you'd almost have to suggest that you know, PT trainers of the future are going to be more technology focused than, than fitness focused to a point. Oh, 100%. You know, at the end of the day, like I mentioned, it comes down to data, but we're already seeing trends in app ad adoption in the fitness industry. You look at Liam Hemsworth's mm -hmm. app center, yep. and he kicked that off in COVID. And, you know, that's pretty much, you know, like this is where we're sort of heading towards is, you know, you look at a lot of other even Australian brands that have 
big membership followings in a physical gym, they've had to pivot and deliver online programs and things like that as a result of COVID because gyms are probably one of the hardest industries in the fitness industry that have been impacted by COVID closures. And and this trend now to own that, to actually do it on your terms rather than waiting for equipment or, or whatever yeah. and, you know, on-demand training is now yeah. becoming huge. So. Yeah, and, and it's almost a new business model, which is being driven by the COVID change because effectively you are stuck at home. Great opportunity. Most people have got a home gym, including myself here at the back, um, <laughs> a couple of, couple of units, and which you know, we've managed to squeeze into the office last year when we got locked in. But uh, it's certainly a, a good change. So, Mel, we're coming to the end of our time, and I always like to have another chat with you in a couple of weeks' time. But is there anything yeah. else on your mind today that we wanted to chat before we finish up? I think it's definitely taking this opportunity now to, you know, my biggest, you know, call out is use the time now to look at the future trends, not only what's happening in your local community, but in your broader community and also, you know, your state and nation, because take the time now we're on the pivot, like the pivotal end of this change. We've only started to see the cusp and it's the people that look at these trends and look at the opportunities that are available that are really going to leverage these you know, leverage them and get the, get the advantages. So go from there. No, it's just been yeah. good. Look, been great to chat today. And as I said, I look forward to staying in touch and, and maybe chatting again in a, in a couple of weeks, months time about some more specifics, particularly around the, um, the pharmacy owners group, pharmacy owners Congress and, yeah, uh, and sure. your work with strong room AI. So great to chat today. Thanks yeah. very much. Awesome, Scott. Thanks, Matt. Cool. Thank you for listening today. Pharmacy View is a technology-focused podcast provided by Melbourne-based business Arian Technologies and Shopfront Solutions. Over the podcast series, our guests include pharmacists, retail managers, wholesalers, suppliers, and industry technology partners. If you would like further information on our podcast series or to participate in one of our episodes, feel free to send me a message or touch base through the Pharmacy View website, pharmacyview.com.au. 